long before I was in this world, uh, there was a, a bit of a scare that people were worried that there would be nuclear war, that there would be bombs, and people got very scared. I know of that because I was talking to my dad about a uh, bomb shelter at my grandparents' old home. I always just thought it was, uh, you know, it had a little slanted door, and when I was little, we'd play on that. I just thought, man, it was just this little storm cellar. But Grandpa had that built in the heart um, of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Times like today are not new in the history of the world. They have happened, they're happening now, and they will happen again. In times like these, we need to be reminded of the fundamental truths. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote about living in the atomic age, and perhaps you've seen this on social media. He wrote this. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. We're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb. Let that bomb come when it comes. Find us doing sensible and human things like praying and working and teaching and reading and listening to music and bathing the children and chatting with our friends. Not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. Indeed, a microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. In an age like today, where there is so much uncertainty and unknown and unknowability, there seem to be two extremes as you scan about social media. Two extremes. Overreacting. See any overreacting in the past few days? <laughs> How are we doing on toilet paper? The other extreme of that is underreacting. I'm not saying that we'd be gullible and naive. Uh, I'm also not saying it's unreasonable to prepare and think. But between these two extremes of overreacting and underreacting, may God's people find themselves. And this morning, my message to you is a simple reminder of that which does not change. These things are still true. The first thing that is still true is that God is faithful. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 46. And if you're following along online, I do hope you have your Bibles open or your phones open and you're reading together these words as we are this morning. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, 
Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. and God will help her when morning dawns. The psalmist likely was speaking of the city of David. As we read it from a new covenant perspective, may we understand, and we certainly do today, that the church is not about a building. The church is a people who have the presence of God within them. And with the presence of God within us, it doesn't matter what happens all about us. God is still faithful. He was then. He is today. And he will be tomorrow. May we not forget that God never stopped being faithful. Now, some of us can easily forget that. Some of us can can slip away from and move from faith to fear. We need to hold on to faith. Draw near to the presence of God and reminders be reminded that he will see us through. So that's the second point. The first thing is that God is faithful. And the second is we must not fear. This truth is repeated as I was calling an audible in terms of revamping the sermon, uh, the original sermon was Children Obey Your Parents. And I, I told somebody yesterday, I went, you know, obviously that's not the message people want to hear. I was talking to a, a, a young dad and he said, he said, well, wait just a second. <laughs> uh, our kids' schools are closed for about three weeks. Uh, maybe that is the message <laughs> we need to bring. But... Throughout this book, again and again and again, to the nation of Israel, uh, to Jesus' teaching, throughout the church even, all permeated throughout the pages of Scripture is this one basic tenet, three words, do not fear. I agree. Uh, Coronavirus, man, I don't know what it, you know, I, I have a wife with a, an autoimmune disorder. You know, I, I'm reasonably concerned. But as you sit and think and dwell, your mind can go to one of two places, okay? Your mind can drift back to the survival part, the base of your brain. And just be, just live in fear. What about, 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 what about? You can't address any of those questions. Are any of you brain tired after about four days? I'm brain tired. I'm exhausted. Because there's that constant hum about what, 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 what about, what about, what about, what about? 
and we can't know. But between faith and fear, we must, we must hold on to faith. Throughout the, from the beginning to the end of this book, again and again, God's people are told, do not be afraid. Follow me in scriptures, because I think it's important that you hear from God, and, and that's not me. I want you to hear from God, and as God said it in God's word. And there are many places, so we're going to look at several scriptures quickly. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When we're, when we're afraid, when, when we're, we're in the deepest recesses of fear, we've, we've drifted up here or in here from God. I'm not we we have made it a step away from trusting. We we've got to hold on to faith. We've got to be reminded of what Joshua told the Israelites in that moment when no doubt they were afraid as they set upon new times and new lands and new promises and things that they had never encountered before. Isaiah chapter 41 Verse 10. I'm starting in verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth, called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not. For I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not. It was the promise of Joshua. It was the promise of Isaiah. It was the promise and and at the core of David's relationship with God. The most well-known, probably, arguably, of all the Psalms is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, as, as David considered his relationship with God, I want you to understand that the externals in David's life were rarely perfect. There were times when David was hiding in a cave. There were times when his family was, being, was coming undone. David said this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Fear not. Do not give way to fear. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You know, I've read Matthew chapter 6 probably a thousand times in my walk with the Lord. And a couple of times I've had that thought, I don't, I don't really worry about food. And then I come back to Matthew chapter 6 after the last few days and say, oh, okay. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will put on. I'm not saying I didn't go to the store. I'm not saying I, I didn't buy food and think about, well, what happens if all the share, shelves go bare? But as I was reminded of Jesus' command to not give way to worry and anxiety, I didn't clear the shelves. I didn't pack my cart because I knew there were other people that needed it. I knew I could trust in God. I had enough for today and maybe tomorrow, and he would provide beyond that. Listen, in, in times like these, it's easy to be focused on these very simple things. Food and clothing and water. I can't answer all those things except to, to say that what Jesus said is still true. Look at what he goes on to say. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? This morning I came up early, parked on the north side, my normal spot, and as I got out of my car, trying to clear my mind and think through, sort out my thoughts. And for some reason... I could hear the birds chirping more than normal. And so I looked up, and I saw the birds, as carefree as they were two weeks ago, understanding that sometimes we forget what birds know. And that is that God is faithful. Oh, that doesn't mean he drops worms in their nest. They still have to go out and hunt and gather but God feeds the birds, and are you not much more valuable than they? This morning as you leave or as you go out about your lives this week, I want you to listen to the birds as spring makes its arrival and be reminded that God is still faithful. He's still caring for the birds just as he did 2,000 years ago, and you are much more valuable than they. He's going to take care of you. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Uh, Jesse Neisler has been hard at work. He and his team... Raymond Kiefer and, and others have been 
working diligently outside the grounds. And you've noticed as you come in, or, or you will, you'll see the, the lilies and the flowers and the daffodils. And you'll think, oh, how beautiful. Isn't God good? He still colors our world. Same God, just as faithful. And those flowers are going to die. Winter will come again, and God will be just as faithful. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he not clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. Saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Recently, in past months, I made the comment to my wife, seems like we're in the grind. Just every day, just doing the same thing, going through, thinking ahead. Just, it's just a lot of the same stuff again and again. That, that all changed this past week. The world came to a grinding halt. Things are going to change. I don't know how. Things are going to be different for a little while. But God's not. He's still just as faithful. He still loves you just as much. And he doesn't want you to give way to fear. We don't know what tomorrow holds Now more than ever, we know that we don't know, but there is one who does know. So we put our trust in him. We take care of today, and we hold hope for tomorrow, because tomorrow is in his hands, always has been. The reality of recent events just makes that more clear. A couple of things. Now, God is faithful. We must not fear. Let me give all of us and all of you watching some things for this week. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul speaking to Timothy and, and speaking to him directly, writing to him directly, but, but in verse 7 he says something that applies to us all. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear. Not of fear. But of power and love and self-control. One translation says, a sound mind. The spirit within you is powerful and loving. And he is there to help you keep your mind in sound condition and not give way to fear. 
So may you not give way to fear. May you have faith. May you trust in God. May you do what's right. And remember that God is there to help you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. This is the, at the end. This is the end that John saw. When he saw this vision of the Son of Man, and he describes him in, in great detail, what he looked like in his white hair, and, it, and his eyes like flame, and his feet like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace, in his right hand were the seven stars, and, and from a mouth, his mouth came a two-edged sword, and his faith, face was shining like the sun in full strength. Verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me. Fear not. I am the first and the last. From beginning to end, God reminds us again and again and again, and we often forget. We often forget, which is why I think God says it so so that we will remember to not give way to fear. Instead, hold on faithfully to a Father who is faithful in all things. And may we never give up hope. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. action point. Usually a sermon needs to end with some action. Give your audience something to do. So I'm going to give you a scripture and a list of suggestions. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let uh, uh, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the coming days, we have some things that we can do. I'm reminded of my grandmother. Her voice in the past several days, for whatever reason, has been in my mind again and again. I can still hear her singing. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done.
We have many reasons to rejoice, and those reasons didn't leave three or four days ago. They didn't. We still have them. So may we rejoice at God's blessings. May we remind ourselves of God's blessings. Maybe the best thing would be to turn off the television and to shut off your phone and begin counting your blessings. May you rejoice in those blessings continually and remember that God was faithful and He continues to be faithful. God's faithfulness didn't change because of Corona. God's still faithful. Some have forgotten, but He still is. Second, do not be anxious about anything. I know it's tempting as the world loses its collective mind. I know it's tempting. I'm not being facetious. When you go into the store and you see bare shelves, that fear part of your mind tricks on. I thought we were okay on toilet paper, but we better get some. I mean, I mean, that's what happens. We have to hold, hold a barrier against anxiety and worry and fear. I'm not saying don't prepare, okay? I, watch the news, but limit yourself to the news. Be informed and, and, and don't overreact. But do not let anxiety take over. And how do you do that? Easy for you to say, preacher man. Easy for you to say. I'm tied in knots. I've got a, an immune disorder. I've got young children. I've, you know, Make the whole list. I've got all these reasons to be afraid. Easy for you to say. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, what we need now more than ever is a reconnection with God. And maybe this has given us the opportunity to do that. So in everything by prayer and supplication, put it in God's hands and you know in God's hands it'll be handled just as it should be. And then what happens, verse 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And see, then when you're at a place of peace, then you begin to have an opportunity not just to prepare, not just to worry, but you actually have an opportunity to be salt and light, which I think, yeah, yeah, it's still in there. The world needs salt and light more than ever right now. The world needs to hear some hope. The world needs to see some Christians who are... I'm not saying unprepared, but they're not panicking because their hope is something deeper. I saw this list online. I thought it was good. It is not written by me, but it's the sentiment I'm trying to express. A checklist for followers of Jesus in the days of COVID-19. Number one, I've checked on the local elderly friend to let him or her know I'm willing to make a grocery run to keep him or her out of the crowds and offer assistance as needed. I've done that. 
Can you, can you check that off? If you haven't done that, that'd be a good thing to do. Two, I've donated to a local organization or an international organization that's helping the helpless in my community and around the world. You know, there are lots of people that don't have access to the resources. Have you, have you helped them? Number three, I've checked on my neighbors. Now, I know social distancing and all that, but if you're healthy and there's no reasonable fear, wouldn't this be a great opportunity to say, hey, I just live next door. We just want to make sure you're doing okay. You need anything? As the world recludes into itself and is crippled by fear, how much of an impact do you think that would make on a neighbor? I've contacted at least one out-of-town friend to see if he or she needs me to mail any sort of supplies that might not be available. Have you done that? I've reached out to at least one family member with an autoimmune disease or an immune-compromised system to let them know I'm praying for them and to see if I can run out and buy some groceries and drop them at the doorstep. I've evaluated my own motives, preparation, and behavior so that I don't add to the worry and to the panic. I've prayed for our missionaries who are serving around the world. I've expressed gratitude and respect for at least one public official who's walking into the face of the virus. Our, our police officers like James Pierman, our firefighters, our, 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 our so many people that we have, our doctors, our nurses, they don't get a day off from that. So I've thanked them. I've prayed for them. What about the cashier who checked you out at Walmart or Dillon's? Did you say thank you to them? As they watched the world come apart and checked out your groceries, did you offer to pray with them? What about our elders? Churches all around the world have had this decision. They've had like three days to make it. What do we do? Do we hold services? Do we cancel? What do we do? I'm sure grateful for our Northside elders. I am so much. That's a hard decision to make. And you know, in times of, of trouble and crisis, leaders have to make decisions. And no matter what decisions leaders make, they will be criticized. If you canceled the whole thing, you have people criticizing that we didn't have enough trust in God. If you kept things running just as normal, people criticize that we're not being cautious enough. But what do you do? May you as a Northsider never be in a spirit of criticism or complaint, but me in a, be in a spirit of humility and trust. We talked about shepherds. We, we selected men who we trust. And we trust we'll do what's in the best interest of Northsides this Sunday and every Sunday. So may we thank them for hard decisions. And I know if you're here this morning and you see one and you can't like go up into them and hug them, don't do that. But from a distance, say, thank you for doing what you do. And this week, pray for them. Because it's not the end of hard decisions. Or send them a text if you're watching online. And say, thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for loving our congregation well. I love those men greatly, and I trust them deeply, and we all should as well.
And finally, I'm praying daily for God to use my hands, my feet, my words, and my life to serve others. You just got like seven or eight practical suggestions of how you can be salt and light today. But it's all dependent upon, number one, remembering that God is faithful. And two, not giving way to fear. This morning, I'm not going to close with a, a normal invitation. If you have a spiritual need or you're, you, you need to be prepared in an eternal sense by putting Christ on in baptism, come talk to me and we'll make that happen. But this morning, I just want to close with prayer and then we'll have a song. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. You are faithful, always faithful. And thank you again and again and again for reminding us to not be afraid. In times like this, Father, we admit to you, we are human. And there have been times where we have grown afraid. Father, may you, this morning, through the power of your spirit, through the promises of your word, flatten the curve of fear. And help us hold on to the truths that are still true. May we not give way to fear, but instead use the Spirit who is powerful and loving and who gives us a sound mind that we might be the salt and the light. And this week, Father, may your church shine in a glorious way. Not for our glory, but for yours. May Christians show love to their neighbors, show kindness in the checkout line, uh, show patience in, in difficult times. May our salt and light, may you use us as vessels to shine for you. And Father, if there are some who are not ready, eternally so, and they need to respond, I pray that you will make that conversation happen this morning. And we will continue to see it through to, to help them to do what you've instructed. Father, thank you for your love. In times like this, we're reminded of how much we love you and how deeply you love us because of Jesus. And it's in his, through his name, we pray these things. Amen. We'll stand and sing.